My name is Jordan Stupar, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams, your goals, so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's guest is Jordan Stupar. Jordan has become one of my favorite people to learn sales from over the years and somebody that I have admired with his hustle, ambition, and dedication to getting to his dream life. He became a top earner at a sales company, some of you may know, selling some Grant Cardone training products, but he eventually left his cushy high six-figure paying job to try his hand at entrepreneurship. He went on to create, scale, and sell multiple companies but eventually landed with his own company, Stupar Sales Academy. Jordan is bringing a new style of sales underneath his tagline to make sales fresh, fun, and profitable. And I will say his follow-up game is some of the best in the industry. I feel Jordan is one of those guys that is a voice of the people. Chatting with him, he is an open book. He is not afraid to share about the struggles. He's not afraid to share about the pain or the challenges he faces and Especially in this episode, we talked to him a lot about how he treats his employees with so much respect, how he overcame such big adversity, and why he wakes up at 3 a.m. to work on his business. Yes, you heard that right, 3 a.m. I'm telling you guys, Jordan threw down some fire in this episode. Wait till you hear his answer about his moment of giving that lights him up. We get him to share about something he has never shared publicly, and it will bring an absolute tear to your eye. This episode is full of nuggets, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's jump on in. All right. Welcome to the show. And I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Jordan Stupar. Dude, what's going on? Everything's going on right now. It's it's (laughs) my favorite day of the week on a Tuesday, and I'm glad we picked this day. I've been pumped for this. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you guys. And, uh, and and being part of the conversation. I want to just brag on you for one second. I know we just did a little intro to you, but you have to be one of the most determined, driven, and focused individuals that I've ever spoken to. Like your work ethic is like undeniable compared to so many people out there. And um, it's something that I've just admired from you from the first day I uh, started following you on social media. And uh, it's something that I've taken from how hard you work and what you've gone through and everything like that. And I want to dive into the tactical stuff here in a little bit and uh, what Go Big to Give Big means to you. But I would love to hear a little bit about your come up story of of how you gained that work ethic and the determination to just keep going consistently. Most of my stories about, I guess, my professional or even my personal life kind of start off in 2013. Obviously, I was born well before then, but that's kind of when I feel like I, I, I birthed myself as like a a serious human being, like somebody that wants to be responsible, somebody that wants to actually, I've always wanted to be successful, like everybody, everybody wants to make millions of dollars and be an influencer and, you know, have all of that power. Uh, But most people end up cowering to, you know, oh my gosh, I have to put in the, the work. And I was that way my whole life. And in 2013, you know, I guess my story begins in New York City. I was just literally flat broke. I was just accumulating more debt than I was earning money um, in New York City. I was the top salesperson where I, I worked. And I started generating some discipline and some work ethic in New York City uh, because I, I needed to, not because I wanted to. Um, I needed to actually be the top salesperson at that inside sales company on a weekly basis because they would give a $500 weekly bonus to the you know top producer. And if I didn't get that extra $2,000 a month, I literally wouldn't have been able to pay rent. Uh, And so I was literally miserable. And so I started kind of, I guess, developing some type of work ethic and discipline just out of sheer necessity or else, you know, I'm going to die and be homeless in New York City who wants to live on a subway. So um, I did that. And then 
I also was kind of going through a bit of a phase where I, I just woke up one day and I had just like a, like a, and don't take this the wrong way. It wasn't suicidal, but like, I need to kill myself. Like I just need to destroy my thought systems, my belief, my perspective. And I just need to like, I just need to wake up. So, you know, my little, I guess, infamous story that somehow always keeps on coming out all the time is when did you make that switch? Well, I woke up one day really hung over in New York City and I realized that I was using, you know, weed and alcohol and video games and trying to text message girls and all of this unproductive, wasteful activities uh, to escape my own reality essentially is, is what I was doing. And that's what most people that have addictions or problems are, are trying to do is just they're just trying to escape the reality. And so that was a day where I, I threw my Xbox out. I threw out all my, you know, my my liquor, my weed. I canceled all my Netflix stuff. And, you know, I ended up sitting back on the couch and I was like, yeah, dude, I changed everything. And then I realized that nothing had really changed. Like there I still was like, I checked my bank account. I'm like, dude, did I get like a hundred million dollars for this? Like nothing happened. And uh, what I love about you asking that question as the, 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 the prefix for what this podcast really is, I'm determined and have developed this work ethic because I finally realized nobody's actually going to be charitable to me. Nobody's going to give me a handout. Nobody's going to give me, oh, dude, no problem, man. Here's a hundred million followers on your Instagram account. All you got to do is do a swipe up and you'll make millions. You know, I, I just finally came to the conclusion, like I'm the one. I'm the single common denominator in every single experience I have in my life. And so quite frankly, pardon my French, but I need to get my shit together. That's so real, man. And so many people don't understand that of like, if Jordan Stupar is the problem, Jordan Stupar is the solution, right? That's Even right. If, if you first navigate that you are the problem, you're the solution. So you obviously had that come up now. And then uh, you started in sales and had a very successful sales career, shifted over into creating your own company. Walk us through that shift of you know, working for an employer and getting paid some incredible cash and and living a completely different life than you were used to. And then having to basically start over again when you went out on your own and that journey that so many people think is so easy to say, I'm going to start my own company. Walk us through that transition. Yeah. So, you know, a very short period after that New York, you know, epiphany, um, you know, I, I, I sacrificed everything. I just decided, you know, I'm going to give up girls, drinking, dates, everything and i'm going to commit every single instant of my life to acquiring the skill set uh and acquiring the opportunities to to make something out of myself and i didn't really know what that was going to look like um but i just kind of rode my own wave i guess that i had to build on my own as a salesperson and i ended up making uh you know 4 or 500 grand a year paid off all my debt moved into a you know the the 45th story overlooking the ocean in miami and you know, bought a brand new 911. And I was really indulgent for myself. And I think that that was extremely necessary. It's not like I was being philanthropic with you know, the money that I was making at that point or being charitable but in any means. It was all completely selfish just for the, the personal validation of, okay, work works. And so check that box. Then I realized that I'd kind of outgrown the sales role and I'd outgrown where I was. I was, I was just literally waking up in the morning, going to the office and, and just printing money and just then going home. And there was just not a lot of growth, not a lot of challenges. And uh, I guess for some, there's a perfect cocktail of me being a glutton for punishment, being ambitious. And I can, I can easily identify when I'm not having a hard time. And I like having a hard time for some reason or another, I enjoy, I enjoy getting the shit beaten out of me and then getting back up with like a bloody lip and just laughing in your face and being like, you can't keep me down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to jump off the proverbial entrepreneurial cliff. I'm going to try to build this airplane before I, you know, crash land into the ground as they all say. And, uh, you know, I always, I always try to use that example. I know you guys are more in the, the Canadian sports, but you guys obviously know American football. When, when you get like a quarterback that, you know, graduates out of college and gets into the big leagues, you know, it's usually that first game in week number one where like he's holding the ball too long and all of a sudden, dude, boom, like the biggest hit he'll ever take in his career. And it's like, dude, welcome to the league, bro. You're, you're, you're going to get hit. 
And that's how I felt like within the first two weeks, man, had a lawsuit. I lost a bunch of friends. People are like, dude, why did you quit that job? And I just had this massive like amount of resistance towards this next level. And like you mentioned in asking me that question, so many people think it's easy and it's easy because you might be at the top of your mountain. And the reason why you're leaving that top of the mountain is because you know that there's other mountains that are higher up that have a better view. They're more comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And I realized like, okay, all I got to do is just walk down this hill and then just get on to the next one and just, just walk up it. I didn't realize that it was going to be like three years of walking from the bottom of the mountain to the bottom of the next one. And I didn't realize that there was lava. You know, as a kid, you're like, don't step on the lava. It's like, that's entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book. And I think one of my favorite little analogies is acquiring real success in life is pretty much like blindfolding yourself and walking up a mountain, hoping that the view is worth the pain and the uncertainty of getting there in the first place. And that's genuinely, I think the best analogy I can think of, of what that is. And so, you know, I went through all those motions And I think that for every single day that I woke up and I was struggling and I was losing money or losing friends, and I didn't really know what I was, I was good at sales, but I didn't know anything about business, hiring, HR, payroll, taxes, you know, the whole, I didn't even know what a payment gateway was. I was like, give me your money. How am I going to run your credit card? So like, you have to learn everything from scratch. And, you know, like I mentioned, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like figuring things out on my own. I'm kind of a self-starter and I like taking risks, but you know, I, I think it kind of entertained me every single day when I woke up and I wasn't like making real progress. And it's just like the only thing that I, I I know is a universal law that I can give your audience is like regardless of how bad of a time you're having or how much pain you have or what you're going through, it can only last so long. And all I know is I'm gonna outlast any problem that's ever gonna come through my path. So I just started kind of having fun with like, well, how long am I, how long can I struggle? Because if I can struggle for three years, four years, five years, if it takes me 10, well, dude, the payoff is going to be just that much more significant. So, you know, let's ride, dude. I've got nobody to impress. I'm not, I'm not here to be a social media figure and, you know, be all important and look at me. I just, I've just always wanted to take my own path and, you know, I've obviously paid that price, (laughs) but here we are now. And I think with, with what I've built over the last uh, two years, I've got some, some, some fun and cool stories. I think your audience will enjoy, but you know, it's, it's been, I, I, I'm so thankful and so grateful that I, I had the, I guess just the, (laughs) the psychopathic brain to just say, all right, I'm going through this. And uh, I'm grateful for the person that I've become in the process. Dude, I respect that so freaking much. And I think that it goes so far to judge your character of just like, you know what, how long can I push through this and just have that full, like unrelentingly um, passionate confidence for yourself. And so few people you bump into who want to start a business or are thinking about starting a business who have already started a business and might be two and a half years into that journey, you know, <laughs> yep. might not have that same type of confidence. And so just that alone, man, uh, props to you for getting to where you are now. And, and just before I ask that next question, um, like what, what do you, what size your business now? What are you doing? Like, uh, paint a little bit of picture from like going from walking tiptoeing across lava to like where up that peak are you now? I'll just be transparent because that's what people appreciate and respect anyway. On July 1st of 2020, so like mid-pandemic, if y'all remember that whole thing, I had the opportunity to do plan A. So not only am I like just like bawling my eyes out at the chance that my I, I, I finally won this lawsuit, I can finally do the thing that I know that I can do, that I'm talented about and that I was created for, I can finally do it. And, you know, I'm with my fiance at the time and she's like so you're not, you're not thinking that you're going to do this. Are you? And I was like, oh yeah, we are. She's like, how much money do you have? I was like, I don't know. Let me check the bank account. Like I'm not afraid. I had like $800 and some change, like in my, all my accounts. And she's like, well, don't you owe your attorneys like some money? I was like, yeah, you know, not, she's like, how much? It's like, 
$117,000. She's like, I cannot believe that I'm still in this room with you. And I was like, I can't believe it either. Like, if you want to give me the ring back, I can take some of that cash and start this business. Honestly, though, that would never be an option. I would never do that. But, uh, you know, I live in a world of and and I want the girl and I want the business. So big props to my wife for for sticking through it. But uh, fast forward, um, you know, fast forward, whatever. It's been 18 months since July 1st of 2020. Um, I started with no employees, no no products, no, no nothing again, just had to completely rebuild again. It was my third build, uh, business starting from scratch. And uh, as we record this right now, I'm a millionaire. I have no debt. And I have a bunch of employees that are making tens of thousands of dollars a month in sales. I've got client retention. I have I've I've got a, a growing business that is doing extremely well. And I mean, the way that I look at it, dude, we're only 18 months in. Like, where can I take this thing in the next 20 years? That's wicked, bro. And uh, congratulations on that success for the last 18 months. And I'm sure that this is going to rocket you even further over the next 18 months. And I'm excited to watch that journey be part of it somehow, possibly. Uh, one of the things you mentioned there that I've always appreciated about you as I followed your journey is just how uh, well you treat your employees just with a ton of respect. You have a lot of fun together. Where does that come from? That comes from the same it's almost kind of like the, the hidden tucked away gem of this whole podcast is I've not yet been in a position. Yeah, I'm a millionaire or whatever. Um, I've not been yet in a position to make any real substantial financial differences outside of my business. And I think one of the things that a lot, a lot, a lot of normal people out there miss is they they see a guy at the top of his business and he's Obviously, if the business is profitable, it's healthy, it's doing well, that's the person that's taking home the most money. Um, although I will say that Dale sometimes out earns me because he closes big deals and I don't feel bad about it. I actually enjoy watching that. Son but, of a good leader. <laughs> I, I hope so. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's easy for people to look at that CEO or that founder or that boss or whatever and be like, oh, they're so selfish. They never give. I've been giving like hardcore. I, I've moved. Uh, I got Dale over here. Dale's my, my top sales guy. He started with me in March of last year. He was in the health, healthcare field. Has, didn't even know what a cold call was. He didn't know what coffee for closers meant. Like zero sales knowledge whatsoever. And I started training him and working with him and yada, yada. And like legitimately, I'm the business owner. I know it's on his W-2 from last year. The guy made over $100,000 in his very first year and has completely and fundamentally changed his family tree by himself. That right there is giving. I would, I've, been able to, I've been able to pour into that person, develop skills, a mentality, a mindset, a work ethic, discipline, just do it. And he's been doing it and now, dude, he's taking home twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month. He's got a residual built up that's more than what your average person makes. And then, you know, I've got a, a at the time a nineteen year old that that paid to be inside of one of my programs. He doubled his income, and he was like, "Wait a second, is there more?" I was like, "Yeah, but you got to come over here. You got to let go of where you're at and let, and, and, t- and figure out where you want to go. If this is where you want to go, then you got to let go of your location." He jumps in his Prius, boom, he's in my office. Guy's making tens of thousands of dollars a month. I've got a guy from Brook, uh, from the Bronx that just started working with us in January. He's got an opportunity. I've got a girl from Toronto in one of the more, you know, areas in Canada that was kind of probably hit the hardest with like lockdowns and stuff. Saved her. Come on over. Work for me. And for me right now, that's my that's my biggest ability to give to other people. And that's why I also love having fun with those people. These, these people aren't my employees. I, I, I am here to serve them. I'm here to work for them. I'm here to nurture them. I'm here to build them. And I'm here to, to give them a, a, the same runway that I had so that they can take off and they can be leaders with their families. They can be leaders in their communities and they can ultimately influence other people as well to, to do better. And so- I have a, I have a blast doing all of that, and I love to see my team win. That's so incredible, and I think it's a level of leadership that's so untalked about. So many people are scared to share that how much they're paying their employees and how well they're treating them. And people are like, well, 
Jordan, you're, you're just sharing about how little money you had, and then you're bragging about how much your employees are making. To me, that's a true definition of a, a leader. And another reason why I love your leadership skills is I saw on Instagram, I don't know if it's this morning or yesterday morning, you're up at 3.30 in the morning and you're hammering out systems and operations for your company. You're, you're, you're not just, you know, sleeping in and enjoying life and letting everyone do it. Like you are grinding every single morning. Why are you doing systems and operations at 3.30 in the morning when you're, you know, doing fairly well now inside your company? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's two real answers to that. One is before I let anybody really touch my stuff, like I'm cool plugging salespeople in and like, cool, make some calls, do your, do your thing. I'm cool with client. I'm cool with all that client facing stuff. But when it comes to, you know, the funnels and it comes to the CRM and automations and proposals and contracts, I want to make sure that I have a firm grip on making those things, maybe not optimized, but making them work. That way, when I'm I'm hiring the right person, I can have a, a good conversation with them. I, I don't want to just give somebody a shot because they say they can do it. I want to be able to ask them questions. Well, you know, what, what about this thing? And oh, if they give me that professional response back, I can absolutely 100% trust that person and just say, you do it. Because I do not want to be the type of leader that's always breathing down your back, checking, double checking your work, asking you to revise things, make corrections, and ultimately make you hate your life because that's what you do. And so if you can do it better than me, then you do it. But first, I want to make sure that I can gauge uh, the skill level and the knowledge of somebody before placing them in that position. I'm not trying to be a fly-by-night company with a two-year plan. This is, this is the big deal for me. Uh, so that's real answer number one. Real answer number two, and you guys are familiar with this, you know, with real estate acquisition, mortgages and such. I can't touch my money right now. <laughs> I'm in the middle of uh, of building a brand new million dollar house for my family. And my mortgage lender is like, yeah, dude, you know, just don't spend anything more than like 250 bucks. And I'm like, wait a second, dude. Like I'm running a seven figure business over here with like some serious expenses because we're still growing and really packing money back into the business. Like, can we make it 350? He's like, absolutely not. We'll flag that. We need receipts. We need details. So at least for the next like 30 days, like I can't hire an attorney. I can't like get the best graphic designer out there. So I'm digging into Canva, trying to put our proposal together inside a PandaDoc and then going into Zapier and trying to link that stuff up to the CRM and then back to Stripe and Look, I can't do that type of stuff during the day when my employees need me. Again, I'm here to serve. So who's going to do it and when are they going to do it? Well, it's going to be me. And so I've realized, well, I'm going to have to start waking up at three o'clock in the morning. And that's what I've been doing for the last two years. And uh, I mean, dude, that's a whole podcast right there is the power of the 3 a.m. club. Dude, that has unlocked some serious potential for me. That's wild. And just shows like, is there ever a time where you have to get, where you get out of the weeds? Like, I don't know, maybe that's like a 10 year journey, but um, <laughs> I saw one of your taglines is making sales fresh, fun, and profitable. Now, a lot of people can have this perception of salespeople as a little greasy, a little egotistical, uh, some selfish ego, all that, what I'll call negative BS. How are you changing that game of and, and that perception now and, and leading the way in that space? I love that question. I'm really happy that you asked that. I think it's really important um, these days. There is absolutely across the board, every industry, just a negative stigma of a salesperson that they don't listen. Uh, they don't really care about you. They're just sniffing out of another paycheck. They're money hungry, greedy, pushy, pressure driven, blah, blah, blah. And nobody really wants to interact with those people. Uh, one of the things that, you know, if you guys were, you know, submitting a lead over here or whatever, the sales process I've built out is like flip-flop. Like we go straight in depth to like personalization, selfie video, text messages within a minute or two of you, you know, applying for something or whatever. Um, you know, we, we're, we're, I have a, I have a rule of like one, the one touch rule, you know, across everything. If a customer has a question in email, even if it's a, it's a complaint, something you don't want to hear, something you don't want to tell me because that can, uh, customer wants to cancel or reduce how many, you know, seats they have or whatever one touch, man, you send it to me and I have one touch and I'm going to, I'm going to work that out with that customer and I'm going to handle it. 
And that way things move along quickly. There's not a lot of resistance. My employees aren't afraid of me. I'm not afraid of my clients. Ultimately, we want to have fun. There's no point, even if you're making good money, quarter million, three, 400 grand a year, there's no point in being miserable. That's not a noble way to live life and earn a living. I want my sales to be fun. And I want customers to say no to me based on the fact that, yep, we weren't all that, you know, stuffy, you know, just checking in again. If you're, if my selfie video or my skeleton sitting on a cross on a, on a bench meme, you know, saying, this is me waiting for you to sign a contract was the reason why you don't want to do business with me. Great. We weren't going to be a good fit anyway. I'm here to have a little bit of fun. And ultimately that's what does make things fresh because now we're constantly thinking about, dude, what's that next video we can send to that customer that literally has gone dark for the last three months, you know, and I'm on Instagram promoting some of these selfie videos we end up doing in the bathroom with a plunger, trying to get a deal back from a plumber. And it's like, that's fun. My guy, Brock, who, who, who is miserable waiting for this big deal to come back. He's like, I'm the leader now. And I'm like, dude, let's go to the bathroom together. He's like, whoa, what? I'm like, I got something for you. And we have those little, you know, those pockets of fun because you guys know it, dude. Sales is, it's a grind, dude. You're getting rejected, getting your teeth kicked in, getting trashed every single day. And, you know, if you can make the process of customer acquisition fun for yourselves, it'll be attractive for other people and entertaining for other people. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have just a plethora of these opportunities that are stacking in our business. And why we also have such a high level of conversion is we are not pressure driven. We are not um, money hungry. We're here to do one job and that's help change people's lives. You made a video the other day of, of showing how you were on a stairmaster climbing the stairs and you sent the video to the guy saying, this is what it feels like closing a deal with you. And one thing you said is bring that personal kind of thing. You're not in a suit behind a screen doing a video follow-up. It's random. It's at those times. And I absolutely love that component that you bring in. That's just be you have some fun with it, have some sales and uh, some of the stuff you do. And I, I vividly remember, you know, uh, you came and spoke to our mastermind at one point and uh, I was trying to figure out how to close you on coming in to do it. And I created a milk carton. I took literally your example that you used <laughs> on Instagram of says missing. And then I used the Jordan Stupar picture in it and sent it to you and got your attention and uh, had you gratefully come in and, and speak to our mastermind. But it's things like that, that it was fun for me. I hadn't got to do follow-up like that. I hadn't got to try those things. And it was simple going to the website you provide. You literally provided the website. You said what to do and how to do it. And it delivered. So uh, not only do you do that, but you deliver a lot of free content to people. And I really appreciate it. I want to ask one question just about uh, where you're driving the company. So you're a big visionary guy. I know you have a, a big vision and I know you got a, a big vision of a huge track in your backyard, racing some Porsches around. Outside of you know dreaming of that big style of stuff, what, like, how often do you spend time visioning for your company or reassessing the goals for your company or making those adjustments along the way? You guys have some some really good questions. Like pat yourselves on the backs. I, I jump on some podcasts every now and then. It's just like, you know, how's it going today or whatever. But these are great questions. The vision for the company. Do you want my aggressive answer or do you want my strategic answer? I want to start aggressive and then hit me with strategic. Okay. My aggressive answer is I want to cast a dark, dark, dark shadow on everybody. I want the, I want the, when I walk into a room, I want the air to change. I want the temperature to drop. I want you to be like, what is, I want their like lightning and stuff. Like, I just want to like go in and be like, dude, I I don't want to be on the phone with this guy. Like, just take my money anyway. Like that, I want to be that good and have that much influence of, I can help, but like, I'm here to do a good job and I need to get paid for that. But literally, I just want to cast a shadow. I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to help the most people. And, uh, you know, I want to help. I want to help a lot of people. So that's kind of my like aggressive, like dark night answer. The strategic answer um, and the, the, the shiny, nice, light, light one is uh, I really want to create Stupar Enterprises as a almost a conglomerate of companies, a portfolio of companies that are designed to provide unique services to businesses and to people that are looking to grow. Uh, for instance, by solving a lot of my own problems, uh, that's probably one of the best ways to add that up is, 
you know, I, I started Stupar Sales Academy. That's kind of the first thing. Okay, well, let's help some salespeople and, and get them trained up so that they can get ROI, they can make more money, yada, yada, yada. So we built that. Then I had to do a B2B version of that with testing and accountability, tracking, monitoring, all that stuff that a CEO is going to be looking for while making an investment in their team. Done, got it, built. Then I was like, dude, I am so tired of sitting on Final Cut Pro and making my social media videos, making my YouTube videos, making my Stupar Sales Academy, uh, good content videos. Like I'm done. I, I'm, I'm a CEO. This has to be delegated. I made a bunch of phone calls to some video friends of mine and I got in touch with some just freelance editors that are out there just like kind of doing nothing, you know? And so I created Stupar Media Group and started hiring some of these people. And uh, we created a backend system where you can quickly communicate directly with your, and, and I'm not the middleman. So it's kind of a sticky product, obviously, if you're making lots of video content. And one, that solved my own problem. But now two, other people obviously are asking me, dude, where do you get your video done? How do you lay it out? What's the marketing strategy? Yada, yada, yada. So now I have kind of a marketing division that's starting to become built with a, a lot of video-based social media type things. And, you know, I, I've got a, an entire probably nine or 10 other companies uh, or divisions of this company uh, that I want to end up creating and, and scaling and being able to provide businesses. Essentially, I don't know if this is doable, but you know, I'm kind of ambitious. I essentially want to create something Apple-ish for businesses where you've got the iPhone, you've got the AirPods, you've got the MacBook, you've got the, you know, they, you get covered up. I want to create a, a, a series of, of, of tools and resources and, and products that uh, companies can use, and I can more or less be their sole provider for a lot of those things. That's a hell of a vision, man. <laughs> I got one quick follow-up. How often do you review that? You know, when you're looking at your stuff and you're like, hey, this is where I want to go. Do you do like monthly sessions with yourself, quarterly with your team, yearly? What are your kind of, I don't, I don't want to call them goal setting, but I call them visionary. Like when are you assessing what the future looks like? How often? I am doing that at least once a month, sometimes a little bit more often, depending on, you know, how many bottlenecks I'm kind of identifying in my business. And, you know, look, everybody gets bottlenecks and they're, they suck. And it's like, why, like, why is this happening right here? Um, and I think for the, the CEOs out there, the entrepreneurs, the business owners out there, there's a pretty good exercise that you can do. And I think that everyone's pretty familiar with you know the four quadrants, right? Like, so in my business, there is a finite number of things that literally nobody in my business or outside of my business can do better than me. Like, I would call that my sales strategies, me being the guy on the screen teaching, uh, me being in front of a team at a, an event or whatever. Those are things I can't outsource, I can't delegate. My business will collapse if I discontinue doing those things, whether I like them or not. Those are my 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 talents. Then kind of next to that are the things that I enjoy doing and that I'm good at. Uh, that could be video editing. I'm good at video editing these days. I've spent my, I did my 10,000 hours, but it's not necessarily something I should be doing because it doesn't really let me do my, my main thing. Then of course you have things that you're good at, but you hate doing. That's Zapier. That's contract. That's all that stuff I do at three o'clock in the morning. Cause it's like, dude, I got to get this out of the way. <laughs> it's got to get done. And, you know, whatever. Obviously, those are immediate delegation uh, type things. Then you have the things you suck at and you hate doing, which is a lot of other things. Payroll, HR, taxes, financial spreadsheets, and all that P&L type. Dude, somebody do that and just put it on my desk. Were we good this month? Like, I don't want to have, I don't want to know. Like, I can't wait until I got a CFO and I just get a paycheck every Friday. I'm going to be like, cloud nine. And when commissions are paid out and I don't have to touch that stuff, that's stuff that I hate and I'm not good at. So if you're out there, you're an entrepreneur, business owner, whatever, your job is not to run the business. Your job is to delegate the business so that the business runs. And so that would be my little gem of a line there that you can take away. And if you're thinking on that, sit down at a piece of paper, write out four squares and be brutally honest with yourself. What are the, what's the, maybe the, even just the one thing that literally no, you couldn't hire out for it for any amount of money and nobody else in your business can actually do. That's the thing you need to be spending that eight, nine, 10 hours a day on all day. 
just banging out that one thing, the most valuable thing that you can do. Then you take and you decide, maybe I really enjoy video editing. Maybe it's a time suck for me, but maybe I edit my own YouTube videos, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll hire Stu Power Media Group to outsource my videos. It's like, that would be a good decision because it's something you enjoy doing and you're good at it. And maybe it, you know, whatever. So that's where that decision is. Then you look at some of the things that you are good at doing, but don't enjoy doing. Those immediately need to get on the chopping block. What are those departments? So I enjoy marketing. I enjoy making the content creation, but I am not the Facebook ads guy. I'm not the Google analytics SEO guy. So immediately upon closing on this house, I'm writing fat checks for all the marketing efforts to be done. Blogs, SEO, you name it. I'm never going to touch it. I just want, again, my CFO PNL that thing and be like, did we get an ROI? <laughs> and then of course, uh, you know, I've, I've got accountants and bookkeepers and all that type of stuff. I don't really play around with a lot of the heavy lifting in that. So it's an easy way when, you, when you're sitting down and you're like, how should I be spending my time as a business owner? Trust me, there's, everybody knows there's 5 trillion things that you could always be doing. And then you end up just scrolling through Instagram and you, you're like, dude, I did nothing today. <laughs> so take a look at those things. And again, be honest with yourself and then just, just be really honest about what needs to be taken off my plate. Can I afford to do it? And if I can't, how can I do as little of it as possible while still doing the thing that nobody else in my business can do so that I can generate the revenue that's going to pay for that thing to get taken off my plate? It's my long-winded answer there. Well, it's a good answer too. And it's a practice that I've done probably 10 times in the last two years. And it's it's interesting because you watch it evolve at times. And oh, yeah. for me, like you were talking about video editing. Uh, I've done that on the graphic like image side of things. And at times I'm like, I could do this all day long. And then two months later, I'm like, I am so sick of Canva. I want to throw this thing <laughs> out the window. Um, <laughs> but just before we transition. I've, I've been in that boat too. Right on. Yeah. I'm not the only one. All right. Oh, dude, you're not the only one. Just before we transition into our, our rapid fire giving round, take a second, just kind of brag on yourself for a minute. What's one of those favorite moments of giving that when you think about it today still gives you goosebumps? So there was a when I, when I started kind of getting, you know, some good paychecks in and I was, I had my, I think what it was a 2015, I, I, I made my first like several hundred grand. I went from making $80,000. And then my next year was 373. And I'm like, Whoa, this is dope. This is awesome. I was living in Miami. I fly up to uh, Milwaukee uh, for Christmas, uh, for family, Christmas, church, blah, blah, blah. And my mom being the pastor of uh, the church that we go to, She's always plugged into the people that obviously need a little bit of help. And she knows these people. And uh, so she she was aware of some of the success that I was starting to accumulate. And she said, hey, you know, you absolutely don't have to do anything. But there's a there's a woman in our church um, who is, you know, fairly recently divorced. Three kids is three months behind on her uh, mortgage. They're literally like very close to foreclosure and being kicked out. And uh, they also have no food and they also have no Christmas presents. Would you maybe take care of some of it or maybe even do all of it? And I was like, okay, what's all of it? And I think it was uh, three mortgage payments. It wasn't that expensive at a house. Thank God. Um, I think it was, I think it was like eight or nine grand. And um, I was like, so can I write the church, the check and get that little nice little tax you know, deduction right there. And she's like, Nope, the, the, the church can't like do that for, for somebody. We can, we can do some other things, but we can't do that. Like we can't, I was like, okay. And so it was, it was, that was, it was kind of tough. I was, I, I was giving with a, with a, with a, a willing heart, like I wanted to, but at the exact same time, like it's my first time writing any money really to like, Hey, here you go. So I kind of felt a little bit strange about it myself, but when I walked into that church on Christmas Eve and uh, my mom kind of had that lady like off to the side, you know, in this other uh, room or whatever. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I've never like been cool about giving money to somebody and like, I, I'm Jordan, here's the check of your life. You know, like, I didn't know what to do. Is this a game show? Like, are we on live TV? Like what's happened? So I just like had this check and I was just like, like, here you go. And she was like, oh, that that's that's nice. And my mom was like, open it. And then she opened it. And that's where, like, dude, I love giving because 
the waterworks, man. Like this lady is like on her knees, like four seconds later, just bawling, you know, like her house is good. The presents are good. The kids are going to be eating, you know, a really good meal for Christmas. And it's like, shit, bro. Like, is that all that that cost? Cause I would do double that right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's that type of thing that, that, yeah, I just got chills. Like you just asked me to, to get, it's that type of thing, man, that I love about success. And I think that, you know, you got the, the Gary V's out there that are like, you know, success, success, money, rich wealth, doesn't make you a bad person. It just exposes you. And, I've always been in good alignment with that. And I've always wanted to be exposed for being a better person than people really thought that I was. And so to, to be able to have that much of an impact on somebody's life and, and actually know that you were the person directly contributing to it uh, is fascinating. And, and to boot, you know, and maybe we get to this, maybe I just let you guys get to this. I, I think naturally you'll end up asking the question that'll let me get to my next point anyway. So, Oh man. Uh, Gave my my eyes got that little water in them. There's some onions being cut outside somewhere. I think you know it's <laughs> it's uh, those those stories are the fundamental purpose of why we started our mission. It was you know it's it's totally cool to go write a check to somewhere where, you know Red Cross or something like that 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 you're doing good. You're doing that, but there's something about writing a check where you get no tax write off. You get no benefits from it. And it is just out of the goodness of your heart that inspires you to go so much more ham in your business to do it over and over and over again. And that's what Go Big to Give Big is, is inspiring people to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger with their profits and not just write checks, but make total impact in this world. The last question I have for you before we jump into our giving is like, what sort of impact do you want to leave on this world outside of sales? Obviously sales, I know, I know that's your huge impact. You want to change sales lives for sure. But if we were yeah. to take it into a different direction of like, what sort of impact do you want to leave? What would that look like? A uh, two-part answer. Part number one is, and you guys are familiar with this quote, but it's, it's always just been like tattooed on my brain is uh, you get to die twice. You get to die, you know, when you leave this earth and you're dead and then you die again the last time that somebody mentions your name. And that stuck with me a lot, a lot. And so I like using the sales vehicle right now and what I'm building right now to become, man, I, I, I want to generate really, really true generational wealth. I want to be able to be the type of person that well after I'm gone is still that, that bank account still getting dipped in you know, with, with a school or with a, a charity, I, I would love to leave my own foundation. Uh, in fact, I'll, I, I'll put it out there real quick. And this is the second little kind of bullet point is I want to create the, I don't know what exactly I'll call it. The working title for it right now is the underdogs foundation, underdog society, under underdog. I've been an underdog a lot in my life. Uh, and I'll always continue to be because I'm just that ambitious guy that's like, hey, I haven't made it yet. I'm just going to continue clawing and fighting my way up there. Um, but, you know, back when back when I was experiencing my lawsuit, I, I didn't think that it was right. Even to this day, I don't think that it was right. I think it was vindictive. I think it was out of spite. And, you know, obviously nobody came and rescued me. I would like to be the type of person where if there's uh, entrepreneurs out there that are young or old or 55 and they want to open that first restaurant or whatever, and they're having difficulty raising some money and they do have good intentions, they've been well vetted. Uh, that would be one of the things that I absolutely want to leave behind is a couple hundred million dollars, if possible, even a billion, if I can get there, leave that behind in an underdogs thing where again, people that need that professional help and, and maybe even too in their personal lives. I, I, I haven't really decided a whole lot, but I want to leave something like that actually behind that can, can always be contributed to and can always be a light for other people that, dude, maybe they just need that, that, that debt paid off a little bit faster, or they, maybe they just need that eight grand to pay for their three months of mortgage. You know, as long as you've got a good heart, I'm all in with you and I'll, I'll give you the shirt off my back. I'll give, I'll get, I'll sign my company over to you. I'm, I'm a hustler. I'll go remake it. You know, it's just, I, I know what I've felt struggling and I'm extremely passionate about 
building a, a legacy that hopefully never dies, being able to contribute uh, positively to the lives of other people. Oh man, so much, so much gold in there. And uh, I got goosebumps again, just thinking about what's going to happen when you hang up this podcast and you're going to sit there for two minutes and you're going to think about everything you just shared. And I just see you like, man, I got to start waking up at 2 a.m. Now I got to <laughs> get on that new grind. I, I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, man, it, it is a, it is my, my ambition and my ideas. I'm foolish. I'm, I'm really fo- like, I just saw some reel on Instagram. It was Joe Rogan, Kanye West. And I've never seen this clip before, but Kanye started off with saying like, do you know how much the world costs? And Joe is like, what are you talking about? He's, do you, I'm, I'm going to buy it. Like I'm going to buy the world and I'm going to invest heavily into mechanical bees so that when people have negative comments, they go and get stung. And I was like, dude, you know what? I vibe with Kanye, dude. That is the most ridiculous, nonsensical, <laughs> otherworldly thought that anybody has ever had, especially in, in public, like on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I was like, dude, I vibe with that. You know, I, I just want to do some bossy, big things and, and die trying. You know, that's it. I'm going to die one of these days. I just wanted to try and, and inspire, you know, Susie over here and Henry over there to just maybe go a little bit bigger than what, what they were originally thinking. That's awesome, man. And that's such a funny thing and so real at the same time. So uh, I, was, I was laughing hard when I, when, I, when I heard that. I was like, damn, Kanye, like <laughs> we brothers, man. <laughs> Cool. We're going to jump into what we call our giving round. Just a few rapid fire questions at you. Short answer. Let us know the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Got it. Brag on one charity you like. One charity I know that I love is um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Huge fan. Back when I lived in Miami, I had an opportunity uh, to do um, a, a thing with the Lamborghini store down there where they put children in the cars around the racetrack. And I actually got an opportunity to have like a four-year-old with a brain tumor in my Porsche. And just seeing that face light up is just like, okay, (laughs) when I make it, y'all are getting checks. What gets you more excited donating a million dollar check or spending a week physically with uh, other people helping them? Damn it. I feel like I'm, I'm going to be wrong. Either way I answer this. Damn it. So much for lightning round. I'm like actually putting real thought into this. I I think that I would, because I'm success and money oriented and that's how I'd like to spend my time. There has to be people out there that are willing to to do that. I am not the the guy that's going to be at church. I'd rather give to the church. So my my answer is going to be the million dollar check. Great answer. Uh, There is no wrong answer there, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Who inspires you with their giving? Um, I've always been very, very inspired, uh, by my own parents. Again, they, they own the church. They manage the church. I, I don't know how all of the different things that they've done, but obviously I've been close enough to them to know some stories and they, they, they give like water, man. They're just like, if you need help, if you need this, we'll find, we'll either connect you with someone or we'll, we'll help take care of things. Um, my dad personally funded a school in the worst zip code in America. It's actually here in Wisconsin, as far as in the ghetto, in the hood, you know, murder, like my little white dad, like walking through personally funded an indoor basketball uh, court that was actually built in part by the Milwaukee Bucks over here. And it was just, I don't know what he spent on it. I know it was a couple bucks, but, you know, being able to see the video footage of, you know, those kids and those people have something to do other than just sit around and deal drugs. Um, you know, that, that's a huge, huge impression on me. Do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving from the very beginning, like as a line item in their business or wait until they've seen some success and have a little bit of money in their bank account? Look, I, I got to say this the right way. You got to be selfish. You have to. Um, if, I'm, if I'm currently right now actively looking for places to go funnel money off to because I, I want to care about them, one, I'm going to be doing my business overall a disservice by accumulating some of the wealth that I I need to or or accumulating more revenue that I can use to make a more profound impact on some of these uh, charities or or these people that need the money in the first place. If there's an emergency, I think that you can obviously delineate between, okay, now is a good time for me to do this. But generally speaking, I'm I'm not being very charitable with my business outside of hiring people and nurturing them and allowing them to grow and create better opportunities for their families. 
Um, and I continuously am just reinvesting in my business so that overall I can have more capital, more resources, more profit later on to make an even more uh, significant uh, difference. However, one thing I can add is, you know, a guy like, you know, Charlie on Instagram, I'm sure that you guys follow that guy. Please tell oh, me yeah. you do. Oh, yeah. Dream <laughs> um, when, when machine. Dream machine. Exactly. A guy like that. I mean, dude, if, if I see something pop up and he's like, dude, $5 helps. I'm in there with I'm in there with 50. It, it so I'm I'm not doing anything significant right now because I need that significant capital to obviously generate more revenue for my business. But again, when I when I can make just a, a little notch, you know, for somebody else, I have no problem letting go of some, some money. It's awesome. And a great answer again. Uh in one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. In a word. One single word. That's going to be hard for you. Mm. <laughs> you know the word that the word comes to mind: powerful. Powerful, awesome. I love it. We haven't had that one yet. And the final masterful question: Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? One thousand percent, dude. Why is that? I believe that money can buy you happiness because it can buy you options. And if you use those options correctly, regardless of what you're up against or who you're around, you can create a better life for yourself. And if I was going to be like, you know, social media, I'd be like, well, if y'all ever, really, <laughs> I'd rather cry in a Porsche than cry in a Honda, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but honestly, yeah, I think money can, can buy happiness, but at the exact same I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, bro. Like you can't let that be the last question. We could have a massive discussion on this. There's a, there's a lot of good points back and forth, but my, my casual on the spot answer is yes. I believe money can buy happiness in some way, shape or form. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Jordan and just pouring your heart out to us and opening up about some stories and sharing about how you were able to uh, go bigger with your dreams and goals. So you can give bigger with your profits and uh, we couldn't be more stoked to have you on, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.